Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Secret at Pheasant Cottage by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 9, The Most Amazing Day. We had a school holiday on Whit Monday, so I went to see Mr. Smith. I found him, as usual, bent over his writing, looking tired and worried. But he always seemed glad to see me and always found time to share some new poem or story that he had enjoyed. Well, Lucy, he said, have you come to tell me about your great secret? He flung himself back in a comfortable chair and I perched happily on the arm. Because I had gradually come to talk openly to Mr. Smith as I talked to no other grown-up. Yes, I replied, I'll tell you now because it's all over. But I shall have to begin right at the beginning and tell you about my father. You see, he did something very wicked when I was three, and he went to prison. I glanced at him anxiously to see whether he was very shocked, but he only said, Go on, tell me more. So I told him my story all over again, just as I had told Don and the warden, and like them he listened quietly until I had nearly finished, so quietly with his head so bowed that I thought perhaps he was asleep. So I stopped talking. Have you gone to sleep? I asked softly. He looked up quickly. No, I'm not asleep, he said. I'm just listening. But tell me, Lucy, tell me this. If he was such a bad man, why do you want to see him again? You're happy with your grandparents. Wouldn't it be better to forget all about him? My, my eyes filled with tears. This was what I had, had sometimes thought myself, but Don in my own heart told me that my reason was wrong. He's my dad, isn't he? I almost shouted. And even if he's been bad, I'm still... I couldn't see any more, for tears were streaming down my face. Mr. Smith pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket and handed it to me, and after a few moments I was able to go on. I didn't forget him. I went. It was terribly difficult. But he's forgotten me. We've been out. He's been out two months now, and he hasn't come. If he'd wanted me, he'd have come quick, wouldn't he? Mr. Smith leaned forward and said quietly, He'll come, Lucy, and he'll be a lucky man to find such a brave, faithful, loyal daughter waiting for him. You see, when people come out of prison, they are sometimes ashamed and afraid. After all, from what you say, your grandparents don't seem to think much of him, do they? What would they do if he came? They, they said I could choose, I sniffed, but they wouldn't want me to go. And well, he was a bad man, wasn't he, and to have gone to prison. They want me to grow up good and I couldn't leave them. I wouldn't know what to do. I still felt like crying, for the whole problem seemed too great to be solved, and I didn't know where to turn. But Mr. Smith could not tell me what to do either. He only said, he was a bad man nine years ago, Lucy, but nine years is a long time. People sometimes change, especially when they have a little daughter's waiting for them. Don't worry, I think he will come in his own time, and when he comes, you'll know what to do for all right. When I got home, the house was empty because my grandparents had gone to a flower show where Grandpa was showing his prized sweet peas. Shadow came running out, wagging his tail. I flung myself down on the grass and hugged him hard, for although he could not tell me what to do, he was very comforting. Grand had often told me to pray when I was in trouble, but I could never feel there was really anyone listening, like talking into a disconnected phone. Perhaps God did listen because I had been so did not listen because I had been so deceitful, and with my cheek pressed against Shadow's back, I made up my mind to try to be very good, to say my prayers every night, to listen in church instead of making up stories. 
to read the Bible even though it did not interest me. I decided to help mourn the house in the garden instead of always running off to play as soon as I could. I would never again tell a lie or talk back or pretend that I had finished my homework so I could stay up longer. I tried hard to keep those good set resolutions, but deep within I knew that nothing had really happened. I tried reading my Bible, but it seemed like an old dead book. In fact, the church, the Bible, praying seemed to have like three roads that led into thick mist, and I didn't know if there was anything beyond it. In the meantime, the question persisted like a nagging toothache. If my dad suddenly comes, what, oh, what shall I do? I did well in my interim exams, and the first day of the holidays, Mr. Smith kept his promise and took me to town in his car to exchange my book coupon for a book. Grant had never met Mr. Smith, and he seemed shy of coming to the cottage. But because Dan, Don's father spoke so highly of him, she let me visit him when I pleased. She saw me off at the gate after breakfast, and I turned the corner of the road, thinking how safe and kind she looked under the arch of the red roses. Neither of us had the slightest idea that this was to be the most eventful day in my whole life, and that nothing would ever be quite the same again. It was a perfect morning. I stuck my head out of the window, the car window and sniffed at this warm sense of summer, the new-mown hay, honeysuckle, and the bean fields. Happy Lucy, Mr. Smith asked suddenly. I smiled and nodded. We reached the outskirts of town and parked near the cathedral and then spent a long time in Smith's bookstore choosing my book. Then we had ice cream and visited the cathedral and when we finally came out, blinking into the sunshine, it was past dinner time. So we went to the market and had a ham sandwich, custard tarts, and lemonade. In spite of the good time we were having, I couldn't help noticing how ill Mr. Smith looked. He left his sandwich almost untouched and kept coughing in a nervous, worried way. By the time we reached the car, he seemed to be breathing faster than usual, and as we left the town, I thought he was also driving faster than usual. We're going home a different way, I, I said. Is it quicker? He did not answer. He just drove faster. After a time, I noticed to my great surprise that our hills were getting smaller and further away. Instead of driving towards them, we were driving away from them. Mr. Smith, I said, puzzled, but Still not alarmed, where are we going? This isn't the way home. The hills are behind us. But again, he did not answer. A cold trickle of fear crept into my mind, and I began to feel uneasy. Why didn't he answer? Why were we driving so fast, and why did he look so white and strange? Was I being kidnapped? Suddenly the fear broke loose, and I seized his arm. Mr. Smith, I shouted, where are we going? I want to go home, and you're going the wrong way. He slowed down at once pulled the car over to the grass at the side of the road. For a moment, we sat in a tense silence, and then turned to me with a gentle smile that, it, that I had come to, to love. I knew that I was perfectly safe with him and wondered how I could ever have been afraid. Lucy said quietly, Do you still think about your bad father of yours? I nodded, staring. Lucy, what would you do if he ever turned up? I just went on staring, and light started dawning. Old memories stirred. Mr. Smith was speaking again. Lucy, I'm your father. I wanted us to get to know each other better before I told you. I've written to your grandparents, and Don's father took the letter up at dinner time. I've asked them if they'll spare you for a few weeks. I want you to come away with me, if you will. I could not speak because the thing for which I had been waiting, half hoping, half dreading, had happened, and it wasn't the least bit like what I expected. 
Only one thing was really clear to me. My father had come after all. He hadn't forsaken me. He'd been there all the time. I realized that I'd loved and trusted this man from the moment I set eyes on him, and now I understood why. Lucy said, will you come with me? Yes, if Gran will let me, but I don't think Gran will let you, or at least she'll persuade you not to. I want you to come now. Tell your grandparents, I told your grandparents in the letter that I'll phone them at half past three to talk it over. After all, I'm your father. I have the right, if you'll come. But I can't. I must go home first. I haven't got my PJs or toothbrush or anything. We'll buy all you need in the next town. Will you come? But I can't. I haven't said goodbye to Gran and Grandpa. But if we, if you, we go back and you won't come at all, you could say goodbye on the phone. Tell them you want to go just for a few weeks. I promise faithfully to bring you back before school. But I can't. They're so sad and Gran would be cross. I'm not sure they'll be either now that they've read my letter. They knew it was coming and I think they may be re relieved that I want you to st stay with them during term time. They've been so good to you and it's a good school you go to and you must finish there. I only want you for a holiday at present and I could have asked for you altogether, but of course it really is up to you. We can say goodbye on the phone and go straight on, or if you decide against it, we'll turn back. I will drop you near the gate and go on. My luggage is in the trunk and I'm leaving today. But why won't you come in and talk? Because your grand said long ago that she'd never wanted to see me again, and if we talk, you'll go in and stay. You couldn't stand up to them. They brought you up too well, and it's now or never. Will you come? I was silent, and I knew he was watching me as though his life depended on it. This was a moment I dreaded, and I felt torn in half. Pictures seemed to flash on the screen of my mind, little forgotten scenes, all crystal clear. Gran waiting at the bus stop as I came out of primary school. Grandpa leaning on the gate, peering into the dusk for my homecoming. Shadow prancing down the path. They all seemed to be drawing me back to the old, secure, obedient life. I looked up imploringly and shook my head. And then, at, at a last scene, clearer than all the others, Don standing among the daffodils, with his head thrown back, his hazel eyes very bright, and his voice challenging me. I would find him somewhere, somehow, and I would say to him, I don't care what you've done, Dad. I'm still your boy. I drew a deep breath and nodded. I'll come, I whispered. After I phoned Gran and Grandpa, his tired face relaxed. Thank you, Lucy, he said. There's a hotel in the next town, and we'll phone from there. We drove on in silence, and I leaned my spinning head against his shoulder and tried to take in that this was my father. We stopped at an inn called Cat and Compasses, and he ordered tea for me while he went to the phone. He was away for a long time, but when he came back, he looked brighter. Come quick, he said. I've left the receiver off for you. I was not used to talking on phones, and I hardly knew what to say. Gran and Grandpa, I cried, do you mind? Please say I can go. You see, he was my father all the time. It's only for a few weeks, and I'm coming back for sure. I'll write you every day. Lucy, Lucy, it was Gran's voice, urgent and pleading. Do you really want to go? He won't take you against your wishes. Just tell him. But Gran, I must go. You see, he's my father, and he's not a bad man. It's all. It was all a mistake, and he's a good man now. We must give him a chance, mustn't we, Grandpa? God keep you, my darling child. It was Grandpa's voice, distressed but firm. Don't worry about us, Lucy. It had to come. Only write often and come back. Now, goodbye. Goodbye, Gran, and goodbye, Grandpa. Write to me. Kiss Shadow and tell Don 
and I was finally kissing the phone, but my father took it gently from me and laid it down. I think that's enough, he said. They understand, and they're glad it's only for a holiday. Now we must be on our way. I jumped into the car, and we were off. My heart was in a turmoil of sorrow, relief, regret, excitement, and a wild sense of freedom. The hills were behind us now, and there was no turning back. In front of us, the road rose to a bright horizon, and beyond that, I suddenly began to wonder and turned towards him. Mr. Smith, I mean, Daddy, where are we going? To London tonight, he replied, and tomorrow we must take your photograph and finish off your passport. We're flying to the south of Spain. I've got your ticket in my pocket. You'll be able to swim in the blue Mediterranean, and we'll stay with your old nurse. She's longing to see you. But once again, I was struck speechless. The day after tomorrow, I was going to see the sea. Tomorrow we'll read Chapter 10, Spain and Important Conversations. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.